Thanks, Kate and Mourner. Um, we haven't stood up for a while to get the blood flowing, so why don't we stand up, I don't know, turn around. You don't have to, but if you just feel like your brain needs it, just do that. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, well, my name's Lee. Um, welcome to church today. It's um, a joy to open God's Word with you. Um, I'd love you to keep your Bibles open to the end of 1 Thessalonians there that Kate read out for us. There we go. Um, every household has different like expectations, rules, how you treat each other, maybe around meal times, holidays, when people come over, all that sort of stuff. Um, we Zadros have our own expectations. Um, Around bathroom use, um, one we didn't expect to have to spell out uh, to our children is only one child on the toilet at a time. (laughs) Around meal times, no stealing food off dad's plate. And we have like some unspoken rules. So we have this unspoken rule that anyone is allowed in anyone else's bed at any time during the night. It's 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 fine. We call it musical beds. Another one is, it's been really helpful recently, if you have a cold or the flu, share it with each other. (laughs) But not straight away. Wait until you're almost better and only share it with one other person in the family so that it stays in the family for as long as possible. (laughs) Um, I'm sure your household has its own, you know, set of unspoken or spoken expectations, maybe with your friends or your family that you live with, how you interact with each other in all sorts of things. But what are we to expect from each other here at All Saints? As God's people, God's household, brothers and sisters, God's family, people united in the death and resurrection of Jesus, who together have our hope in him, what are we to expect from each other? Because I think we all bring a variety of expectations to this, to church family. Uh, And it's not just here on a Sunday, but throughout the week, how we interact with each other, the relationships that we have. Things like, when do we arrive for a 9.30 service? Is it 10 minutes early or 10 minutes late? Where can I sit? Who can I invite? Or relational things like, are we meant to be best friends? Are we all meant to be best friends? How much should we rely on each other? Who can I turn to for help? Who is meant to help me when I'm struggling in my faith? What role do we play in each other's pursuit of holiness and Christ-likeness? This is a really important topic. And I'm not thinking one talk is going to solve this. But I'm hoping that this passage, the end of 1 Thessalonians, will push us in the right direction. Get us talking to one another about the way that we treat each other. What our relationships here are meant to be about. And help us become stronger and more Christ-like in them. But before we go any further, what's the point? Why? Why do we meet together? Why do we choose to be part of a local church? Going to church doesn't mend our relationship with God. It doesn't save us from our sin. It doesn't make us a Christian. So why bother? And particularly, if you don't like church, or you find it hard, 
or you've been burnt by a Christian community, even this one, why persist? What's the point? Well, back in chapter 4, verse 3, um, it should come up on the screen, um, Paul said, it's God's will that you should be sanctified. God desires for us to become more like Christ. And this is for our good. And this honors the Jesus who died for us and who we love. And we were reminded last week of our hope in Jesus, our future with Jesus. Um, And in chapter 5, verse 23, Paul again says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the centre of these expectations at the end of the book for the household of believers is that future hope that we've set our gaze on. We are God's eternal family. This is not just for now. And our Christ-like lives together are crucial. If we get this right, we actually are helping each other cling to the hope we have in Jesus. And so we persist with this. We're part of this church because we can't become more like Jesus on our own. We need each other. I need you. Jesus has entrusted us with one another. God has chosen... Yeah, this God has chosen dysfunctional church families, imperfect church families, not Christian friends, not Christian mates, not solo personalities, but church families to reflect Jesus, to reflect Jesus to a world that needs him, to reflect Jesus to brothers and sisters that want to hold on to him. We're the body of Christ. So how do we do this? What should we expect from each other, from God's family? Well, the first thing we should expect is that we love all among us. Um, In verses 12 to 15, we get a snapshot of the Thessalonian church community. And it's a lot like ours, like Luke said. There were people who worked hard at caring for and encouraging others. There were others who were lazy and disruptive Others were disheartened, maybe by those who were lazy and disruptive. Some were weak in some sense, vulnerable or unwell, and everyone needed to be treated with some level of patience. There were people who had wronged a brother or sister, and others wanted to get revenge. And so Paul's first thing to say to this chaotic family of believers is, love them all. Everyone deserves to be shown love. Okay, he actually doesn't use the word love, um, but if you look um, up on the screen, maybe in a, a couple of slides, um, it's in verse 13 where Paul says, live at peace with each other. It's in verse 15 where he says, always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. Now, he's painting a picture of a group of people hacking at the dysfunction of church family life with love and gentleness and patience and grace and forgiveness. Everyone is noticed. Everyone has a seat at the table. The good that people do is noticed, celebrated. The wrong done isn't swept under the rug 
but graciously warned against. Now, think of us as a God-made puzzle. I don't know how many of us there are, like 250, 300 piece puzzle. Every piece matters. Every piece fits. You are part of this. This is what we should expect. We should expect to be loved and we should expect to love. And we won't perfect this, but we'll strive towards making sure no one is ignored or forgotten or put in the too hard basket. It'll mean looking out for others, showing concern for those who we haven't seen for a while. That could mean practically getting here a little early to just have the space to pray and literally look out for others. Like, look, who is around? Who haven't I spoken to? It could mean inviting someone over to, like, to the weekend away that we've got coming up. It could mean choosing to have coffee afterwards with someone you don't know that well. It could mean sending encouraging messages throughout the week to one or two or three people on your lunch break or on the train or on the bus. Imagine if we did that. Imagine if that's how we treated each other on a Sunday and throughout the week. I think all saints would feel more like a family, would be more connected. People's faith would be encouraged and strengthened. We'd share in the joy of seeing others become more like Jesus. And together, as the body of Christ, we would reflect Christ. I think if we're honest, since COVID, we have become less connected as a church. I think we're still social distancing. There's a lot of social tiredness among us. And so I think there's a lot of frustration, maybe. Like, we want to be in a better place. And I do think we need to be patient and wade through this season together, but not on our own. And so I want to encourage you, if you are tired, if you're wondering if you've got anything to give, even just directing a tiny bit of energy towards someone else, that's what God wants to use. God can use anything to make a huge difference. So we should expect as a church family to love, to love all among us. Um, And secondly, we should expect to share each other's prayer lives. Um, In the verse on the screen, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Prayer is crucial in fulfilling God's will for us becoming like Christ. I really believe that praying together helps us develop empathy for one another. It gives us the strength to deal with church family chaos and dysfunction, because it's there. It'll always be there. Prayer gives us the strength to deal with it. And we all have our own private prayer space. The things we bring to God, the ups and downs that we lay before him, But we're encouraged here to share in each other's prayer lives. And this can be hard. You know, I'm thinking just practically. If you've been part of a small group, you know that moment where you're about to share something, like a praise point, something you're thankful for, but the person before you shares something really distressing and upsetting or they're very angry at God, and you wonder, 
Should I say anything now? Like, what do I do? But I think we're encouraged here to, to rejoice and pray and give thanks side by side with each other. You know, being together forces each other into each other's prayer space. It forces us to rejoice and give thanks with others or to pray and cry out with others. Um, in the verse on the screen, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And prayer does that. Prayer keeps us connected. We should expect this to happen. Our time on Sundays, our small groups, our one-to-one catch-ups, um, even sort of spontaneously as we, we hang out with each other or chat, Our relationship should be safe spaces where we can let each other into our prayer lives. And it does take a lot of vulnerability and trust to do that, but it also builds vulnerability and trust amongst us. If we're feeling disconnected or notice someone on the outer, bringing prayer into our relationships is a great way to establish and grow more connection. And importantly, a spiritual connection as well because we do have a crucial role we each have a role to play in each other becoming more like christ so we should expect that our lives together are soaked in prayer and it made me think what if we did a survey i wonder what the results would be of a survey if i asked us who do you pray for who do you know who prays for you who have you prayed with And again, imagine if we scored really well on that, if we could list so many names, if our relationships were filled with prayer, parents and kids, seniors and teenagers, teenagers and young adults. Imagine the growth we would see and share in. Thirdly, what should we expect? We we should expect to all share God's word. Look at verses 19 to 22. It says, Don't quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Now, prophecy in the New Testament is hard to pin down. There's plenty of views out there. But without getting too bogged down, I think we can safely say it is a spirit-inspired message or word given to an individual to share with others. Let's just keep it simple. Now, the key thing is, this whole section, this whole book, is not written to church leaders or preachers or anyone with particular gifts. So if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. And yes, the Spirit gives us different gifts, but everyone can and should learn from God's Word and therefore should be encouraged to share their unique insights into God's Word with others. If we're only allowing a select few or only respecting the insights of certain people on God's word, then I think we're quenching, smothering and limiting the spirit that everybody has if you're a Christian. Now, this doesn't mean everyone is going to be put on the preaching roster. Don't worry about that. Um, But it does mean we'll all be engaged with the sermon intently listening so that we can build on what is preached as we chat over a coffee or outside. 
It means we listen to each other. We actually respect each other's insights. We challenge each other. We don't confine God's word to the pulpit. We value everyone's contribution in small groups. And maybe for some of you, you actually value your own contribution. I know a lot of people out there think, oh, I just I don't have much to say. I haven't got the same insights. You've got the spirit. But then Paul, like it also means, as Paul says, we bring a level of discernment to what is shared. From the pulpit here as well, we need to be discerning, but from each other. Everything is tested against God's word. And so when something is said, we say, but doesn't Jesus say, or isn't a verse that says, and also we want to discourage misusing this privilege, because I think some of us have seen it misused. We can't just say to someone, I have a word from God, and use that as a license to just be mean to someone. So we should expect as God's children that love is given in all directions, to everyone, in every circumstance, that we pray and rejoice in all circumstances, and that we allow space for anyone to speak spirit-empowered words into our lives. Lastly, we should expect holy affection from one another. Verse 26 says, Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. Um, Maybe you're like me. This verse is a verse that I've mostly laughed at. Because I think I go to trying to picture what the mechanics of, like, what does a holy kiss look like? Is it something kind of special? Anyway, and then just picturing it happening in our service um, or something. I mean, being Italian, there's a lot of kissing when we greet each other. I'm not sure that's, like, exactly what's going on. But because this is God's word, I decided it warranted more than just a chuckle. And do you know what? It's commanded five times in the New Testament. That's a lot. And on the screen, Christian writer Megan Hill writes, what is a holy kiss? It's a culturally appropriate, morally chaste, physical expression of love for other believers. It's a hand on a shoulder, a warm smile with a hand clasp, or a friendly hug, a touch that publicly acknowledges our bond with other members of Christ's body. It's not just a kiss, it's a holy kiss, a kiss reclaimed from a fallen world and repurposed for the glory of God. Now, that sounds great, um, but the more I thought about it, the more defeated I felt. Like, is this even possible in our day and age for our church? We all bring different expectations, like culture is in there. And you know what? It's safe to assume that we worship alongside people who have touched others in sinful ways and then others who have been abused. And we know that the church itself has a horrible history of abusing vulnerable people with physical touch. And then there's the over-sexualization of touch and our disinterest in non-sexual affection, plus the whole COVID germ thing. Like, how do we even move forward in this? It seems really hard. But I bring it up, even though it's difficult, because it's commanded. And we trust God's word. We trust that he knows what's best for us. He knows our needs. 
And so showing some sort of holy, pure, Christ-like affection to all God's people, it says all, everyone, it should be an expectation. I think about my family, and another unspoken expectation is that we're affectionate with one another. We hug one another when we need a hug. We hold each other's hands at times. And at time, at All Saints, we're a family. Like I said, I don't have a neat answer to how we go about this, but I hope that this can be a safe place for Christ-like, gentle, respectful, physical affection. And I think if we proceed in this area with gentleness and respectfulness, making sure the vulnerable, particularly among us, are treated with care, then we're reflecting God's goodness in this area, particularly to a world that struggles with it so much. So, that's it. This is what we should expect from each other, from our church. We should expect to be loved and to love, to be praying together, sharing God's word with each other. Everyone's involved and showing a Christ-like affection towards each other. This is how we spur each other on. This is how God sanctifies us and makes us more like Christ. This is how we help each other cling to the hope we have in Jesus and reflect him to our world. How can you treat the people around you like brothers and sisters? How can you encourage their faith? How can you point someone today, this morning, to Jesus? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this. Thank you for our church family. Um, And maybe it's not what we would have chosen. We don't all have the same interests. We all are very different. We're a big mismatch of people. Um, And I pray that we'd rejoice in that. I'd be thankful for the work that you're doing in our lives and that we would share in each other's lives. And that as the body of your son, Jesus, we would reflect him and cling to him together. And I pray this in his name. Amen.